The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey there. Welcome to Nick Pollock and Friends, where I talk to people I know and who you should know. Today's guest is Ryan Bloomfield. You know him as the Fantasy Sports Writer of the Year from Baseball HQ. Oh, Ryan, it's so good to see you today. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it, Nick. Uh, this this entire podcast, and we were talking before we came on, but I have listened to every episode thus far. Can't it's just really it. cool to uh, no, it's really cool to to that you're doing this um, because we only see like a little sliver of uh, you know people on Twitter and what they what they tweet out or what they write or what they pot about, and uh, it's all baseball stuff. So it's right. it's good to to see the other side. I know one of the like fantasy analysis I do is you know the, the players we analyze are people, right? These are people and. And fantasy analysts are people too, so it's it's. Uh, I'm excited to be on with you, man. It means a lot that you uh, that you wanted to talk to me about me. Absolutely, kid, and I'm touched that you listened to the uh, the other episodes of this. Um, but yeah, I mean that's the that's the purpose of this, right? Um, while we are unified by our love for baseball and talking about it, we are so much more than our words, and we are all interesting. I know. I think everyone here is interesting that I've talked to so far. I know you are too, especially with the hair growth I've seen across the years. Uh, a non-interesting person doesn't do that, Ryan. Uh, but no, I'm really excited to just learn more about you. And um, as I tell everybody before they come on, I don't do research. I, I mean, everything I kind of loosely know about everybody, sure. But I don't go into it. I don't actually prepare for these interviews on purpose. It's not out of laziness. It's because I want that genuine experience of really learning about you on the fly as much as possible. So let's start at the beginning as we usually do. Where did you grow up, Ryan? Well, yeah, we'll go all the way back. I am uh, pretty much born and raised in Northern Virginia. So I, a D.C. area, um, spent like two years in California in elementary school and, and then moved back to uh, to Nova, or I guess now they call it the DMV, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Oh, they call it that? Oh, that sounds so yeah, terrible. Yeah, like, why would like, you ever want the name DMV? The D- yeah, the DMV. Um, that That's the newer term. We always called it Nova for Northern Virginia, mm. um, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, pretty much born and raised there, went to high school up there, and it's kind of funny. Yeah, like the first half, so I just turned, actually two days ago, um, just turned 36, so like the first half of my life was pretty much all in one spot. We moved around a little bit in the Northern Virginia area, but then the second half of my life has all been all over the country. So, um, but yeah, kind of stayed, stayed up there until uh, through graduation and then kind of got out of that uh, D.C. metropolis 
when I went to college and went down to Southwest Virginia at uh, at Virginia Tech. So that that's where it all started. We didn't have a baseball team up there in Northern Virginia until uh, until the Nationals came mm. came around. But that was kind of towards the end of my uh, my my stay up there. I, I remember going to a couple games at uh, at RFK when the Nationals were uh, kind of renting that out. But um, but yeah, kind of was the was the Orioles and then not much else. So sure. So so you're an Orioles fan then. I'm it's it's funny I am uh, for as much time and effort as I put into to baseball and analyzing the game I really don't have a team that's the um, best way to have it though that means I mean, you just root for the players and that to me is way more interesting it yeah I've kind of like yeah it I mean it actually it kind of helps like when you just pivot to fantasy I know like a few other people you you've talked to you kind of you have a team then you get into fantasy and you kind of get away from rooting for those guys and right, you're more yeah. you're more objective uh, but no, I've never really had a team. My older brother, you'll like this. My older brother is like ten years older than me. Is it was a Yankees fan? So just smart despite guy, him, yeah, yeah. no, not a not a not a smart guy. <laughs> just despite just despite him, I I, I like the Mets. Uh, kind of. Oh no, I that was... was spiting yourself. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm sorry. They, I, you know, they're, they're our little brother. That's what I always said. But uh, yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I've hopped around. So yeah, kind of kind of like the Mets a little bit uh, when I. In, We'll probably get into it, but moved to Arizona later on in life and watch watch the D-backs a lot. And I'm up in Oregon, so I, I watch the Mariners, I guess. And you just call it baseball, the worst teams. I mean, it's Orioles, Mets, <laughs> Diamondbacks, Mariners. This has been a lot of pain that you've been through, Ryan. And in and in football, I know that word's not allowed on your no, podcast, but I'm a Buffalo Bills <laughs> fan, and that's even oh more... God. That's Ryan. even more uh, suffering. Well, so. I'm glad you won something and very deserved that FSWA award <laughs> this year. Uh, yeah. By the way, also, happy belated. Uh, Thanks, you man. know, we are uh, only a couple days away. Yeah, I'm, I'm turning the ripe age of 33 tomorrow as we record this on Friday. There you go. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not thrilled about it, honestly. I don't want, I don't know. It's just. <laughs> you doing anything fun for it? I, I am holding a vaxxed only party. Cool. So essentially, you got to show you got to show me your vax card at the door. Yeah. Cool. Uh, cool. But, It'll be uh, good to. You, yeah. Mine was. Mine was. Yeah. Mine was on a like I said a Wednesday, and it was just mm. kind of another another <laughs> day in the week as the sure. uh, as yeah, the birthdays yeah. pile up in the thirties. But it but, is uh, Wednesday, yeah. my dude. But uh, but no, it's a uh, it's kind of interesting during COVID. Um, huh, I actually host multiple parties every year. Uh, it's kind of a tradition. I do four through the year, uh, one around my birthday, um, one uh, an ugly Christmas sweater party, give away gifts uh, and prizes for the best ones, nice. uh, an anti-Valentine's Day party, <laughs> uh, because it's really important. I have a really, I'm very fortunate to have the friend groups that I am a part of. And I don't know, I feel it's very important for everyone to understand, look, like, just because you don't have that special other doesn't mean you have a lot of love in your life and positivity and stuff. And it's a nice, it's a nice way to, you know, be good and spread positivity every year. It's, it's funny you bring that up. My, um, my like, and I say this to my wife all the time, our one like main Valentine's Day memory was in college. We were dating and I took my wife out to, uh, to dinner and we went to this like Cajun place and <laughs> I overdrew my, my, <laughs> My checking account <laughs> on the it was on for the her, date. Though. That's romantic on the date. Yeah, it was for so her. It showed how much I really, at the time, <laughs> you know, appreciated her, but also, 
also showed how little money oh, yeah. I had. <laughs> and, uh, and how good was the Cajun food? Oh, it was fantastic. Boudreaux's, okay. in, in Boudreaux's in Blacksburg, Virginia. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's open anymore. But if anyone on this podcast has been there, that would be quite the coincidence. But, oh, uh, but yeah, Boudreaux is probably like 2006-ish it would have been. They, that's my. That's when I think of Valentine's Day, that's what I think of running out of money, taking my wife, girlfriend at the time um, out on a date. So there's there's that. That's fantastic. Um and uh, and the in the fourth uh, the fourth party is actually a host a screening of the room, which I don't know if you know the room, but it's the worst movie ever, and it's actually now the best movie because of how terrible it is. Is it the room or room? No, not not room. Okay, not the okay. Elizabeth Winston. Okay. Uh, then I have not seen it. Then yeah, yeah. the room is it's a giant uh, meme on the internet. It's oh hi Mark, you might have heard of that. Oh hi Mark, yeah, it's it's so unbelievably terrible, Ryan. And it's incredible. And essentially every year we have people that have never seen it and some people that have. And essentially, if, you, if you've never seen it, you, you watch the first five minutes and then someone always asks, wait, is the whole movie like this? <laughs> and then we all say, yes, it is this bad the entire way through. It's an absolute train wreck of a film. I mean, the fact that there's, there's an actor that was in the film and quit halfway through. So they literally <laughs> replaced the actor with someone else and didn't reintroduce this character. So all of a sudden, there's this really, really sensitive moment in the, fi- in the film. And this random dude is there it's saying, a, yes, it's a, it's a I agree. Dude. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, who is this guy? It's it's amazing. It's such a terrible movie that it's a work of art. Yeah, you're you're not really selling me on it, Nick. Oh no no no. Do you okay? Do that, you that's not your that's movies? not your goal. I'm sure. But <laughs> do you enjoy like watching a bad movie for the sake of it being bad, like with the intention of just being ridiculous and not good? Um. That, so my answer would be like no, but. I'm not really a movie buff and my okay. favorite movies are just like really stupid movies. So like, like I mean, so this would be growing up in the nine, like, like happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, okay, like sure. those kind of movies. Yeah. Those are classics um, though. They, yeah. They're classics, but they're not uh, it, it, like, again, I'm 36 and that's like my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> like that's too, you know, it, your favorite film doesn't have to be the most thought provoking uh, dramatic film, you know. I'm sure you appreciate those. That doesn't mean that that's necessarily what you generally are in the mood for. It's an escape. It's yeah, an escape. exactly. That's that's what film is. Uh, so no no reason to be ashamed about Adam Sandler's peak in the '90s. Okay, it, it was a it was a peak. It was a high peak indeed. <laughs> so so right. If you're not really a film guy, and what do you find yourself doing a lot when you're not writing about baseball? Ah. Uh, so right now, um, I've got a two, soon to be two year old kid. Um, so I am either when I'm not writing about baseball, I'm either working or watching him. Um, sure. He since COVID started, I'm working from home full time. My wife is also working from home full time. And our, our kid is also at home full time <laughs> as well. So uh, basically, the days are just one giant uh, cluster of trying to trying to get everything done and and kind of keep him entertained, keep him active and 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 take him outside and keep him happy and then get some work stuff done. And then obviously sprinkle some baseball stuff up in there too. So um, lately I haven't been doing too much big. Uh, I know you had Bubba on earlier, big, 
big, huge golf fan. I uh, oh, love yeah. playing golf. That that you know, before children came, uh, or I, I say children, we have we do have one more coming in Is July. Right? So oh, yes, break, breaking right. news on the on the on the Pollock <laughs> and Friends pod here. We we got a second one coming oh, in July. That's so, so wonderful. Yeah, so bracing for that, and uh, so yeah, I don't have much free time anymore at this point. Mm-hmm. It's all just uh, just just hanging with them and and doing doing my day job and and writing about baseball. So, so what would you say is an appropriate age for one of your children to be your caddy? I have made the argument to my <laughs> wife that <laughs> that I can strap a car seat into a golf cart. And he can just come along for the ride with right. Me. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think personally, that is that's caddying more or less. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, um, he's just a companion. Right. Support. Exactly. He can cry if I hit the wrong club or make the wrong decision <laughs> on which one to hit. Or he can be quiet if I do something good. I just need to put up in I'll, I'll, I'll budge, put up maybe some more safety guards, put like a little little cage around the car seat or, you know, safety first, Ryan. Exactly. First. But, uh, I I would say, yeah, they can caddy as soon as, as like six months. I think that would be, uh, I I think my wife doesn't agree, but, uh, (laughs) she's probably more in the seven or eight year old camp, but, uh, if it, if it were only me, I'd, I'd strap him up and, and let's head out there. He loves being outside and looking at trees and just watching things outside. So that's actually, why I love golf so much too. You get to be outside for right two hours if you play nine holes or four or five if you play 18 and get your mind off stuff and just be outside and play. So um, so, so here's the thing. I have a confession. Um, I've never actually played a round of golf. Okay. Man, okay. I mean, I'm a city boy though. Yeah, like, I, yeah, I've yeah. been, you know, Brooklyn all my life. And I mean, say for, you know, like a summer um, off in Martha's Vineyard, and of course, Boston College. But I, uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, Brooklyn, it's not something that we gravitate to here unless you're a part of a real, you know, a group of friends that play golf at them, which I'm not. So I know at some point in my life, I'm going to, I don't know when it's going to be. I know I'm going to meet some people and this is what they do. And I, I like to think I'm an athletic guy. I used, I, I've been playing basketball a lot. COVID obviously stopped that. Uh, obviously played baseball and everything. Just never really, you know, done miniature golf. Sure. But sure. when that time comes, Ryan, I need a voice in my head that's like one, one tip, one skill that I need to focus on when I'm doing it. What are going to be those words that are going to be ringing in my head from Ryan Bloomfield? Uh, my one tip would be just pick it up. So what I mean by that is golf's really hard. Like it takes forever to be really good. Um, and I, I have actually... I've, I'm not like a instructor or anything, but that was my first job was working at a golf course. And I've kind of, that's how I learned to play. Yeah. So I got to play, this was in high school, but I got to play. Did you say you were an instructor and that's how you learned how to play? Uh, No, I'm not an instructor. I don't pretend to be a, no, I do not pretend to be an expert. (laughs) I do not pretend to be an expert, but, uh, but that's how I got started is that was my first job in high school was working. Mm -hmm. I was like one of the, you know, kind of golf cart guys who cleans people's clubs and, you know, whatever. But part of that was we got to play for free. And uh, so I got to kind of learn at an earlier age, but like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I've played with other people where the instructor part comes in. Like uh, my best friend picked up golf when we were in college together. And, um, people are so like, 
uh, a lot of times just like afraid of messing up in front of other people oh, and yeah. like taking too long and like worried about there's this whole like golf etiquette and all that stuff. So what I would say is just relax, have fun. You're not going to play well. Like that's fine. Play in the group with the buddies that are patient, that are just out there to have fun. That's really sure. what it's all about. And honestly, where I say just pick it up, like if you hit like five shots in a row and the ball goes like two feet, just pick it up, throw your ball in the green and try putting out. You know, you sure. don't you don't have to play by the rules and just go through torture and hack away in the rough or the forest or the tree, wherever you hit your ball. Um, make it enjoyable. So if you're yeah, not having right. a good time, pick the ball up. You know, maybe try again the next hole. Take a hole off. Like you don't have to go all the way through with it. Is, oh, is that's, is that's my great. Kinda yeah, thing. you're on Just, the links. It's your yeah. own rules with the people you're with. You know, don't exactly. make it a detriment to their experience by just spending an hour trying to get the ball into one hole. Exactly. Right? That exactly. makes a ton of sense. And embrace it. You know, it's where this is obviously a, I, I want to say a, um, well, not a disadvantage, but something like that's not what I'm good at. And that's okay. Wear like armor. They're going to realize it. You can't hide it. Exactly. Just acknowledge it and move on. That's that's and good advice, right? I really have like fun that. with it. Yep. Got to have fun with it, of course. Um, okay, so let's go back here. You were uh, high school, you said, and then you went to Virginia Tech. Now, all the, through all this time, uh, what were you thinking your life was going to be? Like, what, what did you think the direction of Ryan Bloomfield was going to be? Um, honestly, kind of, <laughs> this is going to sound like very boring and like not morbid, but like, I just thought I would go to school, get my degree and then get a job and get a desk job, do something, Any job, where, anything. Exactly. Um, I'm a big, and this may be shocking to you, Nick. I'm a big numbers guy, a big, what? A big, <laughs> a big math guy. So, um, I went to Virginia tech and, uh, for engineering. So got my engineering okay. degree. Um, they're in industrial and systems engineering, which is basically like you study, um, a lot of it is like process flow and, and, and a lot of jobs are like, and this was before 2008. So I, well, I graduated, I graduated in 2008, which is also kind of the worst time to graduate and try and find a job, but it's about, uh, you know, kind of like factory flow and optimizing, uh, production lines and things like that. So, um, that was kind of my first, job out of college is uh working for uh actually rubbermaid the the little like tupperware company sure, where yeah. You, oh yeah they were yep. actually i did a um a, an april fools article back in 2017 the the top pitchers for april um and rubbermaid was i think the number one maybe number two <laughs> on that list probably the best april fools joke pitcher list we'll ever <laughs> that's have. awesome that those uh, those pictures were probably made in Mogador, Ohio, which I lived in for a year. And oh, there you at. go. But but no, that's kind of I don't I don't know. That the thing was you yeah, and growing up in Northern Virginia, like you, I mean, kind of the expectation was you you graduate, you go to college, you get a degree, and then you find a job. A lot of people went back to uh, work up in Northern Virginia just because there's a lot. I mean, there's it's a bustling area, federal government, federal government contractors, things like that. So um, that's where kind of, that was kind of the expectation. And then I kind of took that path a little different and moved to, moved to Charlotte after I graduated. Um, and then, and then Ohio for a year for job rotation. So didn't really have any kind of aspirations outside of that is just kind of get through college, get a degree, don't get in too much trouble and don't do anything too stupid. And uh, I managed to do that and graduate and kind of been working uh, pretty much ever since uh, on that. So 
So, so yeah, uh, nothing, no, no crazy aspirations, but, uh, but well, that's okay. kind of the, so, the path so I followed. I'm trying to get the understanding of Ryan Bloomfield's childhood and the, you know, the different steps along the way. And I guess I'm going to ask this, um, what, what would you say was the worst maybe fad or, or phase that you went through as a kid? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of some for myself. Like I know that I collected pogs for a moment. I don't know why I did that, yep. did but that I too. did. I was so into that, you know, I, but what, other, what, what comes to mind for you? Um, so I was a Pogs guy as well, sure, uh, yeah. especially living in, in California was huge there. But, uh, I would say, yeah, the fads where I look back on, I had, there were a couple summers where I, uh, dyed my speak, my hair, uh, dyed it orange. Use everyone use huh. sun in. I don't know if you remember sun in. No, it's, it's supposed to like lighten your hair and I've got brown okay. hair and like everyone did it. So I, uh, poured a bunch of sun in on my hair way too much and, thought it was like the coolest thing to have orange hair in the summertime. And I, you know, you look back and look at pictures and it's, it's pretty ugly. Um, I also had a phase. This was, uh, this was in high school uh, where I was like, just obsessed with Eminem, obsessed with eight mile, the movie that came out, it was just kind of the thing. And so I was obsessed with just wearing like hooded sweatshirts, like black hooded sweatshirts and jeans. And that was like all you wear. You wanted to pretend to be, uh, to be Eminem as a, as a, as a suburban white kid. That's, (laughs) (laughs) I guess that was one of the things back then. Again, I look back and like, oh man, what am I doing? Well, of course. But, uh, I mean, look, black sweatshirt and jeans. I mean, have you seen Mr. Robot, the TV show? I have not. That's the main character right there. Um, you obviously should. I, I mean, I know you mentioned before you're not really into film. I assume that kind of extends into TV shows as well. Uh, I recommend Mr. Robot to anybody. It is the greatest season of television, the final season of that one that I've ever seen. It's amazing. But anyway, uh, awesome. man, I'm I'm trying to think of like what ridiculous things I was into. Uh, that I mean, I don't know. I played video games and was really into baseball and was completely naive to everything for too long. I I, I would argue I still am in many ways, <laughs> but I uh, it's I uh, I did not do that. I did dye my hair yellow. I was Bart Simpson for uh, Halloween costume maybe <laughs> when I was like eleven or so. Yeah, and I tried, and so I had like some like spray yellow dye, but the problem is it turned out green. Like it didn't have, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it just it was wrong. And all of a sudden I had like green spike ish hair and an orange shirt and blue shorts and no that's one rough. understood. It was pretty bad. That's, I don't know. Yeah. How does yellow turn to green? That's, that's, my biggest, it, you know, that's my biggest it, I didn't get the dye. I don't know. It's pretty, <laughs> but terrible. it is funny. Uh, like with the fad thing. And I, I talked about like sun in, you kind of learn from your mistakes, but no, like during COVID, obviously <laughs> I became, became semi-famous in, in the industry and at work for my, uh, giant Afro. Well, that was a lot of people went through that though. It was COVID either. You're going to cut your hair yourself or you're going to yeah. do that. And you know what? It looked great. Ryan, you embraced it. it I embraced it. Half of that's true. I embraced it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how great it looked. Um, it was great. Again, again somewhere, something where my wife would disagree. And I, I ultimately made the pledge when I get my, uh, when I got my, my shot, my, well, I guess my only shot with J and J that I would, uh, that I would chop it. So that was my pledge. And, uh, so yeah, 13, 14 months of, of, of Afro down the drain in about five minutes. It was a you sad know, day. 
You should have turned it orange before you cut it, honestly. <laughs> I would have enjoyed that. I think everyone would have. <laughs> just for like, yeah, I would have done, just yeah, maybe like, maybe a day, maybe two days. And and did those, when you when you had your hair orange, because I really want to get this picture because it's an amazing one in my head right now. Uh, what, what kind of pants are we talking? Are we talking like those UFOs as well? Like the big baggy ones? These, yeah, Jinkos. Uh, I had a pair, I had oh, a couple yeah. pairs of Jinkos. There you uh, go. And man, I, yeah, so that's, that's a good call. That's a good call. That's a fad. That they was more have, like, for me, that was like, have like the orange hair and just like regular jeans and a button shirt or something like that doesn't, that was, a, that was more like a middle school thing was like mm. Jinkos. And I remember we would try, we would get the biggest jeans we could. And we got, one of my buddies got a pair so big he could fit like his textbooks in his back pocket, <laughs> his jeans. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, I love that. <laughs> they were that big. And then uh, obviously you wear them like down just above your knees. And yeah, was, uh, mm. those. Yeah, I, I have not picked that fad back up. I, yeah, just like you haven't picked up your jeans yet either. Um, no, I so uh, so moving on from here. So obviously now you're you're a writer at Baseball HQ. And I kind of want to hear the story of how that comes to be. That doesn't just happen overnight. Uh, to especially be where you are right now. So you say you went to engineering school uh, and you say, obviously, you have a job outside of baseball HQ as well. Work us through, you know, from leaving college to where you are now. Yeah. So um, let's start with college. And actually, probably one thing that, um, you know, one thing people probably don't know about me is that when kind of the big turning event of my my life really was at Virginia Tech when so I graduated, like I said, 2008. But I was there during the uh, during the shooting that took place. Oh uh, yeah. April 16th, 2007. Um, oh, wow. I was actually one. I was one building. I was in class at the time and I was one building over from where it, it actually happened. And so, oh like, God. yeah, that was. um that was a that was definitely a, a tough time and a turning point for me. So it's kind of funny, like Nick, when you asked like my aspirations and stuff going in, like that was that was definitely a changing point just because mm-hmm. um of of what happened and just the realization of like, I mean, Virginia Tech's in this tiny um you know, tiny mountain town in northwest or southwest Virginia. And you just think like it's the safest place on earth and we're right, we're good right. here. And then uh, all of a sudden your your world gets rocked like that. And it was just, uh, you know, obviously a horrible event. Um, I, I had a teacher that was killed in it. Um, and again, just being so close to it and not really even knowing what was going on at the time until I got home um, and just kind of realizing like how fragile this stuff is. So that yeah. was like, like I said, just a real, a real turning point in my life in terms of like, I want to do something that I truly enjoy doing. And at the time that really was baseball. Like I was, I really was a huge uh, baseball fan. I had at that time um, started playing, uh, I was, had been playing fantasy for, for quite a while and was just kind of getting into like the more advanced analytics and stuff like that. And just, you know, I don't know, after that happened, you really kind of step back and think like, what do I actually want to do with my life? Mm-hmm. And then how do I want to do that? I mean, that was towards the end of my college tenure. So I was kind of already kind of pretty far down one track, but, um, but that was an eye opener in terms of just like wanting to, uh, pursue something that, um, you know, isn't down the normal path of just go to college, get a job and work until you retire kind of a deal. So, um, 
that was kind of like my, my passion project developed into really into, into baseball. So right around that time, like towards the end of college is when, um, I remember I got into kind of pivot. Like, yeah, I was reading, I got my first baseball forecaster in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind that was kind of at the time and I'm biased, but still, still like to think it is kind of like the Bible of, of fantasy oh, sure. baseball. And, 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 to, and to get that in 2008 as a college kid, ah, yeah, love that you know, yep. I, lo- I, remember, I love, love yep. your stories of that. That's great. It was, I remember it was winter break and um, you know, winter break in college at your college apartment. There's not too much to do, so it came in the yeah. mail, and I just, I just, I ate it up. So that was kind of like towards the end of college was, um, you know, really where I started to kind of dig in. But then also because of just kind of what everything that happened and what and what went on at, at Virginia Tech was like, I really should pursue this if I think I'm good at it. Like, right. again, I'm a, I'm an engineer. Like, I don't know how many engineers and writers like <laughs> crisscross. That's a pretty, um, that's a pretty like odd intersection, but uh, I felt like I was pretty good at both. And, um, that really changed when, when I, when I picked up that baseball forecaster, I read the kind of the first part of it and I was just like blown away as to, um, you know, how people look at the game and how people look at stats and and do that. So, um, so that was really the kind of start of my like fantasy interest, I guess, in terms of wanting to, wanting to write or be a part of it. And uh, also read, and I, I think someone else has mentioned this in one of your episodes, Nick, but I read the book fantasy land right around that time as well, which, um, which was written by Sam Walker. Sam Walker was kind of like a, he, I think at the time wrote for the New York times i believe and was a guest entrant into tout wars um kind of like the non-expert and i put expert in in air quotes but the kind of the non-expert person and he wrote an entire book about it and he wrote all about you know ron chandler and and the late laura michaels and all these people and i was like this is really freaking cool (laughs) i remember when that book came out and people asking me about it i didn't quite understand at the time was tout wars was this magical like create you know a thing that i would never even come close to being a part of and i uh, you know it's yeah fantasy land man now this is just like all the memories just flooding back of this book and it's crazy that yeah you're right in the thick of this now i mean this book is really a lot about your life yeah yeah and it yeah it just kind of like it, it, i just remember like the the light turning on i was like yeah i want to i want to give this a go and you know yeah. if it doesn't work out great but at least at least i try and 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 there we go so um so yeah to actually get into like how i started in the industry really i was i was i was a baseball hq subscriber um like i said starting in college and I kind of went at it differently than like, I mean, a lot, you've had a lot of like the Welsh and Bogman and, and Spore, they kind of like, they kind of all started their own thing and like built themselves. Like Spore had the starting pitchers guide. Um, obviously Bogman and the Welsh like have, have built ITL. And I mean, that's all their thing. I kind of, I, I like to sell myself short, but I kind of like to say, I just like rode the coattails of baseball HQ and, <laughs> and got Not and worked all, my Ryan. way up through them. Um, I've, I've been pretty much my entire time in the industry. I was, how I got into the industry was being hired by baseball HQ. I had no prior, uh, writing experience, at least for fantasy. I did a lot of writing like for school and technical writing and things like that, which I think had a lot of, or definitely has a lot of crossover in terms of, uh, like fantasy analysis and trying to like translate all these numbers and stats and skills into something that a reader can, can understand. But, um, that's a legitimate skill, by the way, that's not uh, that's not an easy thing. You know, I've certainly seen a ton of applications that just recite sentence, sentence, yep. sentence, sentence. 
that's not that's not fantasy writing. You know, you, you have to actually put it in a way that is digestible and comforting to to read. And so that's that's a not an easy skill, Ryan. Yeah, and that's and that, and, and HQ is like one of the more. I mean things have changed a lot, but HQ at the time, and still is like just very analytical website. And like, sure. we're, we're very like, we're very thorough and we go deep into the numbers and, and, and it's really just to provide information. But uh, that just fit well with my writing style. Like I had, um, like I said, I did a lot of technical writing as an engineer and just kind of, I was able to, I, I think of myself as like, and I say this too, like, fantasy writers are almost translators. I think of myself as a translator. Yeah. Uh, there's just so much information and data out there. How do we boil that up into something that a, a reader who doesn't know as much as we do um, about, and that, you know, I don't mean to sound like high on my horse with that, but someone who's more like casual, um, they need to be able to read our stuff and, and have takeaways and understand what we're saying like in, uh, and that's the I, challenge of it i'm gonna i'm gonna do something really quickly here on the behalf of everybody listening ryan you won the fswa for a reason <laughs> okay stop saying that you're writing the coattails of baseball hq they're incredibly lucky to have you uh you are incredibly talented at this and very very good and how you're obviously doing it is recognized by all of us as excellent so please appreciate please it. give yourself more credit okay all right, I'll try. Okay, I'll try. good, good. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, so that's was, how I see myself. And, and, all right. and, and yeah, so. What was what was your application like? Do you remember? Oh, man. Um, yeah, so H- HQ typically likes to hire from within. So, like, hire from subscribers. And, and that's how I, again, that's yeah. how I started. So, uh, this would have been, like, 2000, roughly, uh, actually, my first attempt. And I told uh, Ray Murphy this, who is uh, one of the two head honchos uh, with Brent Hershey right now that, that run the site and took it over from Ron uh, Chandler. Love, but uh, Love them all, by the way. Like, Brent yeah. and Ray are just fantastic people. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, 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 and Ray. I mean, did I say Brent... All three of them are. <laughs> they, they, and there's a, there's a reason why. So this is, again, kind of going back to 2010, 2011. There's a reason why I'm stayed in one place and I'm still there. Right. Like, yeah. Like it's, um, I, it's, it's an organization. I, I love people that I love working for and with, and it, it's been great. But, uh, but yeah, so going back to, yeah, my application was, I still have it. It's rough. Um, <laughs> I, I had, I can see if I can pull it up, but I actually, I actually applied. I had like an article idea and I pitched it to Ray. I was just out of the blue and I was like, Ray, I have this idea. I want to write about it's, it's this cool thing. I'm going to sort all of my hitters by BABIP and I'm going to write an article about it. There you go. And, uh, this was and what, 2008? No, this was, yeah, this was like, oh, nine, probably. So probably like the year after. 2009 is, you know, hey, that stuff isn't everywhere at that point. You know, I, I had my Fangraphs Renaissance in 2011. Okay. And I was still understanding yep. BABIP at that point. Yep. You know, it's way different than now. If you put out an article just sorting people by BABIP, uh, you, you wouldn't do that. But back then, you know, there actually was an audience for it. Back then, I, I I got declined with that. Even even with so HQ has been around so long, they call it they called it hit rate, kind of like when Babbitt was first starting, and uh, it just wasn't like it was funny. I I, I dug up the email during uh, quarantine last year and sent it to Ray, 
And Ray was just like super nice about it. He was like, thanks for your submission. However, blah, 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 blah. Check back with us soon. So I was like, all right, damn, there goes my, my first attempt, but I'm going to keep at it. Um, so yeah, the next, the next year, so this would have been like 2011. Um, they just hung out a help wanted sign. They needed some writers. And again, since I was a subscriber, that's typically where they pull from. Um, they're just subscribers are more used to kind of the writing style of HQ. And, uh, I'm pulling up my, my thing now, but yeah, basically it's like a two step process. You, uh, you apply online, like kind of a basic application and you know, why you think you'd be an asset, all all that kind of basic stuff. If you get through that first, um, that first process, you essentially, they give you a topic and you basically just write a sample article. And so, um, that, that was the process and I just pulled up my, uh, my submission. I still have it talking about facts and flukes. So that's an HQ staple. Basically we take like five guys and say, you know, is their current performance sustainable or not? And you, you cite some skills and basically like, you're just trying to kind of show off, at least in the application process, show off like that you can understand these and put it in a way and package it in a way that, that it makes sense for readers. So I had to write up Albert Pujols at the time wondering, and I, (laughs) it's funny, I, I titled it, is Pujols still the king? So 2011 Pujols was like, the number one pick in almost right, every yeah. draft and started to started to fade a little bit. I had an Adam Dunn blurb, a Rick Porcello blurb. Oh man. And a Johnny Cueto blurb. So four guys I wrote up. It's kind of crazy that three of them are still are still yeah, kicking I mean, ten years later. Kind of. Yeah, maybe or Porcello. We'll see where he lands. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Two and a half, maybe. But, he but should uh, be. I'm surprised he hasn't signed somewhere yet. Maybe it's the whole draft pick thing. But yeah, really yeah. Right. He, he was this. Yeah, this was Porcello at like age 20, 21 Porcello. So right, right, right. It's just What's crazy. He, you kind of look back and uh, and yeah. So, but that was rookie of the year. Was, Am I right he, about that? Is that right? For the Tigers, rookie of the year, might have been. I should look it up. Oh man. Okay, I but, uh, but yeah, remember. Porcello forever is the thief to me. After uh, stealing it from uh, Justin Verlander, yeah, um, the Cy Young. I'm so sorry, Rick, but. Uh, there's actually a joke like Rick Purcell for whatever reason has just haunted me forever. Um, Austin Bristow, one of our staffers during his application or actually our interview, I uh, told me that he liked Rick Purcell more than Michael Fulmer. And every single year there's been this battle of who's going to be more fantasy relevant, Michael Fulmer, or Rick Purcell. <laughs> and I like to believe that in 2019 when Rick Purcell was absolutely detrimental to your fantasy leagues, Michael Fulmer, despite missing the entire year with Tommy John, <laughs> was, more was better than Rick Porcello for your fantasy teams. <laughs> hey, as a, as a as a current year Luis Castillo owner, I can um, mm. I can oh, hey. I can kind of see that too. It might be turning around. At least he got eleven strikeouts, so he's not a little longer. Last time, twenty percent, you know, strikeout rate guy. Finally. I- Fastball velocities there. I saw your tweet yeah. with locating that change up eighty nine on the on the lower it's, right corner. Oh, it's much better it's, now. Maybe I think. we'll see. Maybe yeah. <laughs> Good luck for your uh, sake and and mine too, because it's Luis Castillo, man. I love that guy. Anyway, so your application here. So apparently you wrote a very good fact or fluke. I guess I guess it was good enough. They're more interested in just the process. Uh, it's funny, like Patrick David, who runs, who's been with HQ forever and um, runs HQ Radio. He his application was writing about why you should fade Ichiro. <laughs> this was like you know, oh, 20, no. 25 years ago, and yeah, yeah. it's like ooh. But then uh, they he again process over uh, 
over results. Right. And you've said uh, many times, and I agree with Nick, is we're not totally in the business of being right all the time because nobody is. But uh, exactly. it's more the discussion. It's more the how you look at it and how you engage your audience. But uh, but anyway, yeah. So the 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 application went well. I remember I was living in uh, Arizona at the time, and I remember getting. I was out for a run, came back home, and I remember getting an email from from Ron Chandler himself. And I was like, Ooh, okay, let's see. And it says, I remember it to this day, it says, hi, Ryan. Um, and then and then I can kind of see the preview of it in Gmail. And he says, I have some great news for you. And I was like, Oh man, this is awesome. And so he, uh, he offered me a, a, just, uh, an article once a week, uh, just to get my foot in the door. And, and that's how I started with HQ. And I, it was a, it was a series matchups column back then where we just like preview a, a three game series and, and say which pitchers to, to track or not or whatever. Um, but that's how I, that's how I started and then, um, really started to work my way through the ranks, um, going to first pitch. So, so I was in, I was, like I said, in Tucson at the time and I just lucky enough that, uh, first pitch Arizona is up in Phoenix and like an hour and a half away. So I was this yeah. kind of like first year writer. And, uh, uh, once you get your first through your first year with HQ, um, you can kind of go there. You don't have to register that sort of thing. You just kind of go to the conference and hang out. And so I said, why not? And, uh, just was like starstruck. The first time was there. I met Ron Chandler in person. And like a day later I was helping Ron and Brent, um, run an auction, uh, for salary cap draft now, but we run an auction for the attendees that were there. And so like Ron was the auctioneer, Brent was doing stickers and I was like tracking the draft and I was like, this is just, this is surreal. Uh, but that's kind of how that whole thing started and how I got to kind of meet those guys and, and, and kind of work my way up was going through, uh, just writing and putting out, this is where I won't be humble, putting out, I think pretty good content and can, and consistently oh, good stuff there it and is. good and, uh, and working my way Ryan. up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's oh, been, man. yeah, it's been a great, it's been, yeah, almost 10 years with HQ and it's, it's been a fantastic ride. Like I said, it's an organization that I've, you know, fully believe and treat their people well. And, um, I'm just happy that, uh, not only they host first pitch, but they're just really great stewards of the, um, of the fantasy industry and have been for a long time. And it's, it's kind of cool to see like, and kind of going off a little bit here, but cool to see that kind of what HQ started in terms of like bringing people together, inviting their quote unquote competition to come out and speak at first pitch and just hang out. And, you know, Ron's Ron's kind of ethos has always been a rising tide lifts all boats in the industry. And absolutely. And that's always been their philosophy and um, something I truly believe in. Something that honestly you guys have carried forward with, with PitcherList, with PitchCon. You're taking people. I mean, that's basically the same concept and it's more kind of modernizing it. And it's uh, it's really cool to see that kind of continue forward because not I mean, a, not many industries are like we, that. We're standing on the shoulders of giants. I mean, the PitchCon shouldn't exist and it really is just an indication of the fantasy community just saying, yes, absolutely, I'll do that thing. You know, like that's, it doesn't yep. exist without everybody wanting to do that. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Baseball HQ has set the uh, stage for all of us and we're just here to perform, you know. Um, I remember, I'm. you're talking about like being starstruck at first pitch. Man, Oh, I could not. That uh, that 2019, the only one I've actually been yep. at as far yep. as Arizona, yep. uh, it was the best weekend. Was I, awesome. I I mean, 
I, I'm very happy to plug First Pitch Arizona. I know that it is going to be so sold out. It's not even <laughs> close in October. Whenever it is this year, I, I mean, cross my fingers that we're at that place where we've, you know, defeated this virus enough. It seems like that, but, you know, I... Man, yeah, we're we're that, doing what we can to to get it back to get it back this fall. Nothing's final yet, but uh, of course, but yeah. I think as the as the social media person, so I run the social stuff for HQ as well. Oh, nice. I think it's going to be a pretty easy sell. Well, it's like people are I mean, just going to be least, are you wanting thinking to, maybe larger because so, there's no way. Like after two years, and not to mention, I think that one in 2019. Maybe I'm just being biased because I was there, but uh, it, it did really feel as if. If you weren't a part of that and inside the fantasy community, it was just like you're this is the party of the year. Like, why aren't you? Yep. Why aren't you here? You know, and it's certainly gone around as that. And if first pitch Florida was great. That was a lot of fun as well. It does seem as if Arizona right now is that one. Um, and I have to think that's going to sell out in like 30 minutes or something ridiculous. So yeah, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm definitely biased. And I mean, we don't, we don't make much off of it or whatever, but like, right. it's, well, it's course. just, yeah, you just hear, uh, and just to meet people. I mean, that's, that's where I met you. I met you at Tower Wars as well, but, right, uh, right. even like, I mean, Towers is a great time, but it's just, it's, uh, it's everything's so compressed like that weekend yep. people fly in Friday and fly out Sunday and like have a draft Saturday. Um, so it's great to see everyone, but it's a little bit more kind of like people are Focused. prepping for drafts or yep. and then they're in and out um arizona is yeah it's the off season or the postseason i guess off season for fantasy but it's just everyone goes out there for four days just to like hang out drink beer watch baseball and and learn from each other yeah and it's, we don't it's, you know, i can't wait preparing. to get back we're all preparing still we've got nothing to tell anyone you know no and we, we try to, but we're like, ah, oh, we think we're maybe figuring this out. And then like four months later, I'm like, how could I ever said that? This is terrible. <laughs> you know, it, oh man, I, I really just, I can't wait. It's, it's 20, yeah. 20, the 2019 one was, was, I, I think the birth of Zach Allen. That's where Zach Allen became <laughs> so popular in the fantasy industry. That is right. I, I, you remember that? It was oh my just God. nuts. Every single like panel session was all about Gallon. It's like, I mean, he was great. Guys, ADP so went up two rounds because of, <laughs> because of first pitch. I mean, I do. I think the, the the moment that for me, I I still don't quite grasp is that like inside of um, uh, inside like you know it's a big atrium and everything like that. There's a you know panel going on and everything. There's a discussion about Alex Reyes, and someone I think mentioned like, oh yeah, Alex Reyes might be starting all that kind of stuff. And I wasn't really. I was just like subconsciously listening. And for me, I just like rolled my eyes. I was like, he's not gonna start. But I here I am. I'm just thinking like I'm completely removed, and this is only for my own thing. And then I, and then I think it was Rick Wolf, or maybe it was Glenn Colton. No, I think it was Rick. It was just like, and by the way, just by judging how Nick Pollock rolled his eyes, I was like, what? <laughs> <I> remember that? <laughs> no, like you can't do that. <laughs> that was and your eye was rolls. Like, your eye rolls oh, carry man. some clout. I mean, you're the pitching guy. Oh my guy. god! So. I was like, don't. They should not. I just I roll my <laughs> eyes to everything. I'm just trying to get a good sense of the entire room. That's a rolling of my eye. <laughs> I oh man I mean that was like yeah that that to me was like the moment like oh this is what this is this is this is the best place ever this is like we're all just friends here instantly I've never that was the first word spoken to me from right and ah we gotta go back man yes can't wait meeting people just hanging with people in person it's I I mean again like again my kind of like quote unquote rise or whatever I think a lot of it is just going there and meeting networking and meeting people in person it's um it's it's really like everyone says, uh, you know, how 
how great the community is and 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 that sort of thing. And I mean, this year's honestly been a little rough on the Twitter the the, the Twitter sphere, but it really is a great great community of welcoming people in my opinion and um, you just kind of see that play out especially when you start meeting folks in person and right. um, you know we're all just we're all just people enjoying a hobby and and it it's it that that shows through rather quickly at first pitch like I remember for example even like I remember Matt Modica that year 2019 had a really successful NFBC season and um, he catered a buffet lunch for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, like he got barbecue and then, you know, brought it in. Everyone was just kind of hanging out by the pool and, and, and eating and talking yeah. baseball. And, and so, yeah, just an example, but like, yeah, I really hope we can get back to it this fall. Oh, it, it, oh, it's, yeah. People are going to be itching to, uh, itching to get out there. So, uh, well, I, I, I can't wait, uh, uh Ryan and, uh, and I want to shift a little bit more here now to, you know, you are a veteran of the industry. You know, you've been doing this for a long time. And what I do like to talk about with this is just what kind of skills you've learned along the way, little lessons that you've picked up that if you were starting today, that you would do a bit differently. Uh, so what would you say if, if this is someone trying to jump into the sphere outside of the typical just start writing, uh, which is uh, I very much, you know, I think everybody kind of understands, but they can feel a little bit lost or um, the little tips and tricks uh, of Ryan Bloomfield. What would you say is one that you really, uh, you know, has helped you a lot during the years? Um. I would say like, cause I'm honestly, well, yeah, I'm not like the best fantasy player out there. Like I, you know, I don't consistently win leagues, that sort of thing. But like, I almost think like, I mean, I think be relatable is kind of one of the big things that, that I try and do um, and genuinely, genuinely do like for, I mean, and, and I think people relate to you better when you, you know, not only like share your success, but like claim that you're wrong on a guy or something. Or Mm. like, I remember a lot of the, I'll, I'll put stuff out there. Like one of the more recent ones was I got, I got Patrick Corbin um, this year. And like, you know, if you're a writer and you don't want to, you know, a lot of times you don't want to admit that you're wrong or miss something or whatever. But I, I just kind of put this tweet out there. Like, I kind of grabbed a screenshot and then a screenshot of his, of his box score. And then, and then took a screenshot of, uh, of a beer that I wanted to drink just because it was Patrick Corbin getting blown <laughs> up for nine earned runs. And I throw that out there and it's like, should I check my main event team or just drink this beer? And yep. uh, just got like so much engagement out of that. Um, again, not only because like I have a following that sort of thing, but I think just people like relate to the experience of playing this game, like for good right. and bad. Um, I think just being genuine, being relatable um, as a as a writer and trying to connect with your audience is huge. And I, th- I honestly think that's a lot of where this is going is people want to, yes, they want to be successful. Um, like the, our audience wants to be successful players, like people that consume our content. But I think they really just want to follow people that they can relate with and kind of hang out with. Um, not to like, I mean, a perfect example, and I'm not, and it's not just cause I'm talking to you, but like Nick, like people watch you work, um, <laughs> like literally watch, that's- watch you put your rankings together on right. Twitch. And, and I, I'm not saying that's like, that's a, that's just awesome that you have, you're able to relate to your audience in that sort of way. And people are actually interested in your process and how you, how you work and how you put things together. Like, I think that's super fascinating and something that like, 
I think where this is going, a certain if, if people are trying to get in, is make this like, for example, like I mean, you had Spore on, and like esports is so. I mean, Spore has built this huge following on Twitch of people, and I hate Definitely, to say the yeah. word like watching and play video games. It's not that. Like it's a. I mean, it's 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 an entire booming business. Like I, I feel like almost that for fantasy is almost like kind of where things are starting to go. People yeah. want to connect to you and and kind of just watch your thought process as you kind of work and as you write that's that's something it's, that it's like community it's it's yeah. feeling uh, kinship almost in you know commonality um yeah the uh yeah the, the twitch streaming thing like doing the list it's i mean there's so many things i have to comment on that but really quickly i feel so lucky that like i wake up in the morning 8 30 11 o'clock that's i need to do things i need to record the podcast i need to put out my mm-hmm. streaming rankings i need to make a picture video breakdown video and instead of just kind of doing it on my own i feel incredibly lucky that not only do i get to hang out with some great people um, but they also keep me honest to get it out on time. So that that's a good I point. Get it yep. done on routine. If you know you've got fifty people waiting for you at eight thirty right. to, to start like, your stream, it's like, yeah, you gotta. Yep. I gotta be there. You know, I have to. That's that's what I've established, and they they keep me honest like that. And it's a very, I mean, you know, it's a very very fortunate position that I'm able to do that. Um, but I mean, if you watch the the list stuff, I couldn't agree more about you know um, having that humility of saying like, all right, Patrick Corman, yeah, I was shouting. Kenta Maeda, Patrick Corbin, <laughs> Charlie Morden, you know, this yep. was my like preseason a lot. And, and you know, with that list, uh, you know, the 12 to 4 stream, right, on Mondays, um, a lot of times at, people inside the chat, it's not just me just blindly doing it and they're just kind of there. It's it's very much, and I, I don't mean to say this as, you know, kind of like this isn't disingenuous. I'm creating it with them. It's not me creating it with right. them watching. It was so many times to think, ah, Nick, I think like, you know, that guy should be higher than this or this one, that. And if I don't have a good reason as to why they're wrong, I will do it because that's it's it's exposing to myself how I actually feel about it. Uh, And they help me constantly. You know, they make me a better analyst and improve those rankings. It's. You know, and and if I had that ego, that pride, you know, I did this, so clearly it's the right thing. I mean, you're gonna fail. You know, you're just gonna be wrong. You're not gonna be relatable. You're gonna, you're not gonna create that community where it actually feels as if we're all in this together because we are. You know, we're all trying to do this right. And the idea that I am omnipotent and no, you know, omniscient or with everything, mm-hmm. I get exactly what's gonna happen. I'm no Stradamus and all that stuff. And, yeah, get out of here. Yeah, not yep. not a chance. You know, nobody's I mean, nobody's that good. But <laughs> oh yeah, like I, I I I I again to kind of go back to your question on like tips or whatever. I mean, I yeah. think it is that. And like, I mean, another thing to start writing, of course, like you have to kind of get your reps in and go at it that way. Um, I mean, another thing I was going to say is just like be unique, but that's also kind of the same thing as like be relatable and let people in and, and to follow you as a person or as a writer. Um, I think that's again, kind of where this thing is going because there is, in my opinion, it's, it's, if you're just writing or just doing a podcast at this point and you're trying to break in and you don't have, it's very difficult. I'm not going to say you can't do it. But like if if you're trying to break in and 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 you're gonna write a two start pitcher column and a fab column, um, like that stuff needs to be better than like Vlad Sedler's fab column right. on a weekly. But like it, and again, I don't want to dissuade people, and and you should probably do it anyway just to get your reps in. Um, but if you really want to try and break in, I think it is that community, not just 
not just trying to kind of connect with other people in the industry um, and impress them, but more build your own audience and, and connect with people that way and do it in a unique way that is outside of just writing and podcast. And again, not to blow, not to blow smoke at you, but you doing Twitch and, and do, and I mean, that's a perfect example of, I don't really see many people doing that. Um, I watch it a lot of times just to like, see how you write in WordPress and like how all that works. I'm like, holy crap, <laughs> this is really cool. Um, not for the oh, content man, or right? anything. I don't, I don't, I don't, awesome. I don't, you know, I don't listen to you for that, but, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, but those are the kinds of things that's unique. It's different that people, I think, especially in this COVID world and, and so much mm. going online and video, um, I think that's kind of like where a lot of this might be going is, is just that kind of more more deeper, intimate way to connect with uh, people you follow and, and, and talk about the game. Man, I couldn't agree more about the whole direction of video. It's, it's unbelievable how much that's accelerated. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, yeah. the circumstances called for it, but still it, it it's incredibly fast right now. Uh, it, it needs COVID to, accelerated it. I yeah. mean, it was, it was lurk, it was lurking. It was lurking for a while and then COVID kind of accelerated. I mean, that's, I know like, and a lot of times you ask like kind of what want to do next. Like I'd love to do more video stuff. Um, for me, it's just at this point, it's, it's time management with, with the day job and the family. But I, you know, if I, if I do want to kind of keep going and go to that next, that next level, that's, that's where I would look and try and find unique ways to connect with followers and audience uh, through that medium. And, and as you do that, too, um, uh, I think kind of also what you were getting at about being unique. Um, another way I would I would phrase it is play to your strengths. What Recognize what you're good at. Yeah. You know, what is it about this that you, you feel makes yourself unique and really lean into it? I only talk about starting pitching. <laughs> yep. Now, I don't I don't touch the other things. I just literally go. I mean, I used to do more of it. I used to write the rankings in the beginning of the year and all that kind of stuff. But now it's just, look, I, if you want to talk about prospects, go talk to that person, talk to Andy Patton, Trevor Huth, Shelly Verstraight, right? You want to talk about hitting? Oh, man, John Metzler does the hitter list. I mean, on Wednesdays, like he knows what he's talking about. Catchers, Dave Sherman was the number one ranked on Fancy Pros. That was mine. Not mine. It was Dave Sherman's, you know? <laughs> I like Rick Graham, obviously, for relievers. Um, yeah, I don't even touch relievers. I just, <laughs> they're pitchers too, but I don't care. Um, like, I have a, I, a a picture frame behind me um, that you actually can't see me if I make it wide uh, over here, which is Ted Williams. Yep. And it's a strike zone plot uh, of essentially where like the batting average inside the zone uh, for Ted Williams and in the bottom right down and away from him is much is grayed out because it's like 250 or so. It's much lower than everything else. And a friend of mine gave that to me who's really into business because uh, he... Um, uh, he listens to Warren Buffett a lot, and, you know the, the the yearly meeting, everything like that. And I, Warren Buffett says something about he only invests in companies that he knows that he actually understands their business and doesn't invest in things that he you know doesn't understand. Uh, and it's about playing to your strengths. Ted Williams is not going to swing at pitches down and away because yeah, it's a strike. He gets beat there, fine. But that's not what he's good at. And he's one of the best haters that ever lived, whoever lived. And he didn't care about that entire quadrant, you know? <laughs> uh, it, that's, it's something really that you can relate in life. And, you know, for me, yeah, starting pitchers, that's the thing that I do. 
Uh, So figure out what that is. Maybe it is, you know, podcasting. It could be that. If it is, then you got to make sure you showcase it in all formats. It's not just putting up a random thing on Apple Podcasts and calling it a day. Like, no one's going to find that. You got to then be a presence on Twitter as it pours back into it. You know, even John Boy, you know, I I remember talking to him at at PitchCon. um, I think this was in 2019, talking about those breakdowns and the success of those. And he even said, like, you know, I love those breakdowns. They're great. But really, all I'm trying to do is just get everybody to to listen to the podcast. You know, huh. he does those. He's just trying to push that as a funnel to the podcast. Yep. And I thought that was a really great point. It's like, what do you want to achieve out of this? What is your end goal for a user, someone that discovers you? What do you want them to be doing, right? So if your thing is podcasting, okay, you make a video. It said, hey, see all of this on my podcast. Twitter, okay, I'm doing this podcast. You know, everything should be on something that you feel is your strength. Yep. No, that uh, makes so that makes sense. And that. yeah, having yeah, doing and, and one thing I see a lot too is uh, is just social media in general, like just use it wisely. Like I think there should be a purpose behind it. So like yeah. and that's kind of exactly what you're saying. Like, I mean, you can go on Twitter and interact with people all day and you end up kind of spending your whole day on there. And it's like sure. what did you actually accomplish in terms of like content? Um I find that a lot. That's actually how, um, honestly, that's how Bloomboards started. This whole you know thing that I started three years ago oh, of putting yeah, it's up, so good. you know, stat filters and leaderboards and stuff like that. Basically, that just started from I'm I'm writing my HQ articles and producing my HQ content, and as part of that prep for that article or that you know portion or podcast or whatever, um, that's some of the stuff I'm researching. So I say, hey, why don't I just kind of throw that out there and 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 put it out on Twitter? I'm I'm doing it anyway for the actual like content I'm creating, um, and then the Bloomborns cut. I mean that that's really where I've and it kind of going back to like talking about being different and unique. Like that was a unique thing at the time uh, when I started it. That really kind of took me from a just like a follower standpoint, uh, kind of way up in terms of just audience and things like that. Right. And then I, I noticed right away, people were so much more interested in like my actual content just because that was kind of like, like you were saying with John Boy, like it's kind of like the entry to, to, to kind of get people interested in your stuff and you as a person, and then kind of take that next step into uh, the, the content that you're providing and what you actually really want to do. So I would say, you know, don't, don't just spend a whole lot of time trying to put out, you know, great tweets or, or a great video. There should be, that should be kind of a gateway or a step to the thing you actually really want to do out there is absolutely that's that. So that's, that's, that's what I mean by kind of saying use social media wisely. There should be a, there should be, in my opinion, like a targeted point to it. Um, Yes. You want to interact with people. And like, that's, that is how you can network in the industry and with your, with your folks. But, um, but, there is sometimes you can focus on it too much and just your follower account, but make sure that's kind of one level higher than the kind of the deeper level of what you want to do to stand out. That's unique in the industry. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, everything should be with a purpose if you're really serious about this. Yeah. You know, and sure. I'm not saying that you can't just like have fun and everything. Like that. Of course I do all the time. Like sure. I randomly we'll spend like 30 minutes on Twitter making the stupidest comments all around the place. <laughs> Um, but I like these sarcastic, like, I don't care things. It's, it's, it's so dumb when I do that. Um, but But I mean, that's also like, I mean, honestly, I mean, so in terms of like uniqueness, I mean, that's kind of how in my, from my eyes and how I first kind of, you know, quote unquote, met you online, Nick was through picture gifts. I mean, that was kind of your, like, that was your entry posting, you know, and it was so unique that you got shut down because of it, but (laughs) 
Oh man, I'll still, I won't forget that. It actually happened almost to the was... day. You know, uh, seven years ago in 2014. Oh man, they thought I was retransmitting the game, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? This is the three second yeah, gift." So here, here I was being so naive, Ryan, that I thought, "Oh, surely." Talking to this paralegal at MLB, once I explain it, they'll completely let me continue doing it, you know, and admitting what I'm actually doing. Oh God, Ryan, it was so. But that I mean, but that's how. But that's how you got again, just through my eyes. Um, mm. and, and when I saw you kind of come up and and rise through the ranks, I mean, that's that's really how you got your exposure at first. Is you were doing something unique. Um, but it wasn't just that you were building something deeper kind of behind the scenes. Um, yeah. and, and it, like, it yeah, you had, you had the shutdown, like was a detour, but, um, it ultimately got you where, where you, where you want to be. I mean, so. and that was, you know, um, there is a, uh, uh I'm going to say something very strange right now that you're not going to expect. Um, how do you feel about Arnold Schwarzenegger? Am, I, am I, mean, I supposed to answer that? Well, okay. I mean, yes, but I'll say this about him. Um, I, I'm very conflicted because on one hand, I, I do not approve of, you know, some misogyny he's been a part of. And of course, she and his wife, all that kind of stuff is, is just not, that's not being a good human. Um, on the other side, there has been a lot of positivity that he's done and, uh, he has a speech that I always really appreciate about the different rules he has in life. And there is one that's always kind of stuck with me, which is break the rules. Uh, and obviously respectfully, but honestly, if you follow the rules, if you just do the same thing that everyone is doing, yeah. then you're not you're not going to be interesting. You're not going to actually excel and, and, and you know, stand out. Um, and I broke the rules. I wasn't supposed to do yeah. gifts. Everyone was no. was scared of it. <laughs> were terrified. You know, I got an LLC just in case. Uh, I was Pitcher Gifts Inc. Just in case, like if you know they wanted to sue me for all these dollars, which they shouldn't be able to because it's fair use. But anyway, I still got yeah. that for it, you know. And um, yeah, I broke the rules, and it worked out because then I got me, you know, your attention right away. Um, and yep. uh, then that turned into pitches and so on and so forth. It was actually kind of interesting in the very beginning. I'm not going to go on this long, long ramble, but uh, I, I noticed there was an, a moment where I, I, I could have just done this on Twitter, right? Twitter didn't get shut down. I actually stayed through the year putting out gifts on Twitter as I continued to build that account um, while the site was down. Um, and I kind of noticed like, oh, that's where my content lives at the moment. And I was like, huh, maybe I can actually just do this on Twitter, AKA kind of what Pitching Ninja did. Uh, and then, um, but then with Pitcher List, I realized, um, the thing I enjoyed the most, like for my own happiness, yes, I enjoyed sharing these, these gifts and stuff, but I missed actually just doing the roundup and just writing and I, and having this moment of expression and, um, you know, deep analysis about it that was written and constant. And I felt, I felt as if like this part of me was actually like being exhausted, you know, in a good way, uh, that I like, uh, that I hadn't before. So even when Pitchless came back, I actually didn't have gifts that first year, yeah, um, because, I, yep, I remember because that. of that. Yep. And I, uh, and I, 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 I'm very happy I went in that direction, you know, instead of just, uh, you know, by the way, what Pitching Ninja has done is so much more than what that fork in the road was for me. I mean, what he's created is just incredible. Yeah. And in so many ways, such a positive 
addition to to everything in the baseball community and encourage this communication between players and yep more and exposure for media. people that don't go to camps and they can post their videos and yep amazing and uh, and the it, the embrace of pitching as well thank you finally you know it's just such a great thing and Rob himself is such a good dude so it's just such a great thing um, and I've loved what he's done with it. I, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, on the other side, like I realized, oh, I got these like, people who wanted to help out and actually start creating this. And, and, you know, now it's 160 staffers or whatever it is, um, as yeah. we have this discord and that's the other path of it. Right. Um, that is just, I still can't quite fathom and the thing shouldn't exist, but here we are. I don't know. I'm just like waiting for like the day that someone says, Hey, Nick, you can't do this. I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. That's, <laughs> you <know>? that's your, <laughs> sh- that's your shutdown PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there it is. You're right. Just, oh you're just god. paranoid of it happening. Again. Absolutely. Oh my God. I, uh, but yeah, it's, I, uh, I don't know where this was going initially, but right now it, it's been a fun journey and it all started from that breaking the rules mentality from arnold schwarzenegger so arnold i'm conflicted about you but uh you know i'll I'll have to i'll have to watch i'll have to watch that i'll put that on higher on my list of your recommendations than than the room so oh come on (laughs) ryan it's so good it's so terrible and so good uh i mean you gotta watch it with the right people you gotta have it as a group event that's why i make it a screening every year which i can't wait for it'll be in september but ah, uh, you gotta watch it one day. Um, all right, I've, I'm realizing that I'm running out of time with you, so I'm going to ask you one more question. A question I ask a lot of people, and I I think it really just speaks to you know you is uh, what is your mantra? If you had one thing you had to pin down, ah, uh, that's a good question. Damn. I should be prepared for this because you <laughs> ask it on all of your other episodes. Um. I would just say, I would just say, be chill. Be chill. I can, yeah, I can see be that chill. from Ryan Bloomfield. Um, Absolutely. Life is too short to get too hung up on, you know, certain things and do, do enjoy what you are doing. Treat people nicely. Uh, that all kind of follows, falls under this be chill umbrella and do what you want to do. I mean, even if it's not fantasy baseball rating, whatever it is. I mean, that's probably what people are interested in because this is a podcast, but um, be chill and and do what you want to do. Treat people well, treat people with respect. And ultimately that will come back to you at some point. And I, you know, that sounds kind of corny, but I, like you said, I have been in the business for, uh, for 10 years now. And the, better that you treat people in the industry, people that follow your work and read your work, appreciative of the time they take to read your stuff or comment on a tweet or any of that stuff. Um, The more that you're kind of nice and respectful and welcoming to other people, that shows through a lot more than the other stuff where you're trying to just like win a debate or you get short with somebody about some stupid thing like that. That uh, that only serves to uh, to divide. So uh, that 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 would be my mantra: is just to be chill and 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 hang with people that you like and treat them with respect. And ultimately, that's going to pay off for you. That's a fantastic mantra, Ryan. And I am going to say, I came up uh, with that on the fly. So well, it's because I meant to mention Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) and Mr. Freeze over here. Be chill. Uh, that's clearly what just happened, but no, that is, I think anyone that knows you, Ryan is not shocked in the slightest 
to hear that's your mantra. It's it's a great one, uh, and and I could not agree more with it. Uh, but that's going to wrap this up. Ryan, before we go, I wanted you to get an opportunity to tell everybody where they can find you, all your work, and anything that you're you know working on for the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Nick, again, really appreciate it, man. Uh, oh, of course. It's, it's an honor yeah, to have you on. The murderer's row you, of guests you've had on here and you asked me to be on there. So that, that's awesome. I, I it's, And it's fun to kind of take a step back and and and, and talk about this kind of stuff without yeah. even doing any fantasy analysis. So Exactly, right? Um, yeah. So it's, it's been great. Uh, you can find me at RyanBHQ on Twitter and you uh, find my work at BaseballHQ.com. If you search Twitter, put out, put uh, search for bloom boards, even if you don't follow me and you'll see some cool and hopefully useful graphs about things that I think are important for improving your team. And the point of those things is to start a conversation about these players. So if you, if you go on Twitter, search my account, find that and you agree or disagree with the player I got on there or, or whatever, um, let's talk about it and, 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 and enjoy discussing the game. So that's where you can find me. And then uh, again, hope Hopefully, I will find me in Phoenix here in the fall, where we can yes. all meet up and uh, and times will be normal again. So oh, I can't I, wait for that. Really, ugh, five months away. Uh, yeah, if you're listening, seriously consider going. It is just the best, best time. Um, and really, going back to the whole thing about why you know why we we watch you know these Twitch streams or listen to podcasts mm-hmm. and, and really interact on Twitter it's because we all have this unifying commonality of this love for this game and sport and it's just no better expressed uh, inside of First Pitch Arizona it is such a wonderful wonderful time so we hope to see all of you there but yeah Ryan again thank you so much for taking the time this has been such a great podcast really really fun getting to know you and just hanging with you so so thanks again for being here thanks Nick all right, so that's it for today's episode. And of course, awesome. we'll be back Wednesday next week. <laughs>